Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to bring your parish from maintenance to mission. My name is Dan O'Rourke, and I'm in studio today with one of our Divine Renovation coaches, Rob McDowell. Good to see you, Rob. Good to be here, Dan. And also another one of our Divine Renovation coaches, founder of the ministry, author of a book, and a pretty cool guy, Father James Mallon. How you doing, buddy? Hey, everyone. I'm well. You're, oh, yeah, and I called you buddy. You hate when I call you buddy because yep. it's a bit of an East Coast thing. And I'm, I'm, uh, we live on the East Coast of Canada. East Coast Canada. Yeah, and, and so it is a term here. It sometimes means like pal, friend. That's what, right. What, what other people use? Some. It's a term of endearment let's, let's because I find you endearing. Let's start over again. Come on, oh, no. this is lame. That's fine. That's <laughs> just lean into it. We're going. Keep going. Keep recording. We're, we're, we're powering through we're this. We're powering through. <laughs> yeah. So today we're talking about, uh, or rather I'd like us to have a conversation about uh, the difference between catechesis and evangelization. Catechesis and evangelization. So let me ask you a question just to kick us off, Rob. Uh, you, you meet with a lot of, uh, of priests, whether they're coming into our, our network or in other ways. Uh, one of the questions that we sometimes ask uh, priests, whether they're pastors or parish priests, is uh, what are you doing for evangelization in your parish? Uh, I presume you've asked that question to priests that have, have been coming into relationship. What are the kinds of answers you get? Yeah, there's, there's certainly, um, I think, a lack of clarity between the two terms. And so, for example, for us, we talk a lot about Alpha here, obviously. And uh, so for us, that's a very intentional tool of evangelization. But, you know, and some parishes do other things. But then when I say, what are you doing for um, evangelization? Then they'll go down and start listing off uh, a number of events that for us, probably in most instances, aren't, evan- you know, evangelistic in nature. You know, RCIA, some of how they do some of their sacramental processes, you know, um, they'll they'll go off into other even non-catechetical things sometimes. Oh, we do potlucks and we do, you know. So there's a, there's a lot of, uh, I'd say, a lack of clarity uh, a lot of times in what we mean by catech- catechesis and evangelization. So, uh, Father James, do you find that when, when, when we're getting answers like that, are, are the priests wrong? Or like when, when they say potluck, is that mm-hmm. right or wrong? I think there's a difference between what is it, what is intentional evangelization of what can be evangelistic. In one sense, everything we do in the church has the potential to be evangelistic. This is where I find uh, Rick Warren's five systems to be incredibly helpful. Um, Worship, evangelization, discipleship, community, and ministry. And they really force people to get clarity on these different uh, purposes or or, or systems within a church, and to say that evangelization as evangelization is basically helping people to, to encounter the Lord, to hear the proclamation, to encounter the Lord, to respond in that encounter, to grow in relationship, and leading to the point of making a, a, a commitment, a decision to, to be a follower. In that sense, that's when I think you somehow cross a line between evangelization and discipleship, and according to the, the great uh, document that's known as the Aparecida document written by the Latin American bishops, they're saying that, that discipleship is kind of phase three of a journey and that catechesis is an, and sacraments are an important part of phase three. The other phases being the, the, the kerygma, the, the proclamation, and the second one being, being, being conversion an actual response to that to that message to the person of Jesus. And in one sense, it's when you you go through that journey, you, you respond to the kerygma and, and have conversion, that, that catechesis begins to bear fruit. Uh, in fact, the document says quite, quite um, clearly that if we don't achieve that point, uh, a lot of our other work is condemned to sterility. 
Uh, and I think a lot of people have that experience working in, in, in parish ministry. So although many things can be evangelistic, like uh, I think experience of community can be evangelistic. Worship can be evangelistic, i.e. that the Word of God is being proclaimed. God can work in any way. I mean, God can bring people to faith like that. Uh, you know, serving people can be evangelistic, uh, but I, I think of, a, I just picked up a corner of a, a copy of Paul VI's Evangelization in the Modern World, and there's a great quote uh, in this document in paragraph 27. He says this, uh, evangelization will also always contain, this is an important word, as the foundation, center, and at the same time, summit of its dynamism. So think about this. So the foundation, the center, and the summit of its dynamism, a clear proclamation that, here we go, in Jesus Christ, the Son of God made man, who died and rose from the dead, salvation is offered to a gift to all people as a gift of God's grace and mercy. That's a that's a pretty tight definition of the of, of the charisma. I think mm. I think it's great, and it's saying that that proclamation of the person of Jesus as the foundation, center, and summit of his dynamism is what evangelization is all about. But another way to distinguish the two is is for the desired outcome. I mean, catechesis should also be evangelistic. It should also contain the same message as well. But in catechesis, your your starting presumption is the person has already made had that encounter. They've already encountered him. They've already made a decision to follow. And now we're, we're forming the faith that's there. Um, whereas evangelistic is, is about the, the outcome is to get people to that point where they, they come alive in the relationship with Jesus. Well, would, it, would, it, would it be fair to say that, and again, this is probably from my mind of how I've always kind of interpreted some of this stuff, uh, that, that evangelization is the initial encounter of the relationship with Jesus. Catechesis is how you develop and build on that relationship. Yeah. I, is, I, that, is that fair? I, I'd say so, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and so while, while there's, you know, coming from my background, I like a hard line in the sand, right? Like, what you, you know, and, and I think it's true that, you know, you, you are or you aren't, even though you might not be able to define that moment in time or whatever the, the case might be. But at the at the same time, it's it's the same work of God, but manifesting itself in two different ways. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think one one of the ways I heard it distinguished, um, and I first heard this um, in the shape of, of a joke, and it was uh, a talk by Curtis Martin at an amazing parish conference. He told this great joke, which I shamelessly use in many of my presentations. He talks about a teacher who asked his class the difference between ignorance and indifference. And he pressed one of his favorite students to come up to the board to, to explain to the class. He gave her the chalk, and, he, and she stood there. She didn't respond, and he pressed her and pressed her. And finally, she took the chalk, and she slammed it down, and she said, Look, I, I don't know, and I don't care. <laughs> and the point is ignorance and difference. There, it, it's, ignorance is not knowing, and indifference is not caring. And here's the point, uh, and this is something that I first heard articulated by, by Curtis. He said, In the church, we often treat problems of not caring as if it's simply a problem of not knowing. So evangel what is evangelization ultimately? Helping people to care. And where, when along the way do people actually start caring? I don't know. That can be a mystery. It's, we, there might in some cases be a clear line. Uh, I mean, for me, I remember. I remember where I was sitting. Like two minutes before this experience, I didn't care. And two minutes after, I cared. It was the most important thing in my life because I encountered the Lord in a, in a way that I didn't know was possible that changed everything. 
But the difference between not caring and not knowing, and, and so often in the church, we say, okay, so people, they don't care, so let's give them more knowledge. And maybe if we give them enough knowledge, they'll, 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 they'll start caring. And it generally doesn't work that way at all. It just makes people even more resentful. So I think evangelization, helping people to care. And when you care about a thing or about someone, because remember, we're not talking about a thing. When, when you start caring about someone is when you start loving that person, when you come so to know that person. So is there a transition? Is there a moment where you trade off uh, and you go from, okay, we've been doing evangelization with a given person, group, whatever, what have you. Uh, do, we, do we make an intentional transition? Okay, we're done evangelizing. Now we're going to do some catechizing. I think evangelizing never stops. In the, in the directory of, of catechesis, uh, the, the church which has grown in its understanding of the distinction between evangelization and catechesis. This was something that was much more apparent in the late years of the writings of John Paul and Pope Benedict, because in Pope Paul VI's wonderful document, which I highly recommend to everyone, it's still one of it's still the key document written, um, you know, ten years or, or sorry, five years after the close of the of the, of, of of the. I might be getting my numbers wrong here. But it was written on, I think, the 10th anniversary of the close of the council. And the, the, the key writer of this post-apostolic exhortation after the synod was Karol Wojtyla from, uh, Krak- uh, from, uh, uh, from Krakow, mm-hmm. uh, who became Pope John Paul II. Uh, but in this document, you have this dual definition of, of evangel, like a, the narrow definition of evangelization. But also you have, in a sense, the, a description that everything the church does, including ministry and worship and all these other things is in a sense all under our big umbrella of evangelization because evangelization is the the task most proper to the church so he's a, a kind of everything is evangelization which in one sense is kind of true in the sense that everything ought to be evangelistic but he also has the beginning of this narrow definition that makes it distinct from catechesis but this distinction really is drawn out much more clear clearly later on by later popes it's so much so that in the directory of catechesis, they say, in a sense, although evangelization and catechesis are distinct moments, um, evangelization will always have some degree of teaching in it, and catechesis will always be evangelistic because we need to hear the gospel again. We need to hear that, that core message again and again and again and again. It needs to be... So, Father James, one of the things I've encountered with some of the parishes that, that you know, we've, we've not necessarily worked with, but certainly that we've... Uh, that we've worked alongside. Um, so some of the some of the parishes that I've encountered, they, they run Alpha, so they're, which is our evangelistic tool, evangelization tool of choice. Uh, and so they, they have some people come alive to, to faith, and so they want to, okay, now we got to catechize them. So they, tur- they shut down Alpha, and then they go over and do some, some catechesis, whether that be RCA or any other number of programs out there. Uh, is that the right way to go about this? Well, uh, I think... That was my approach for many years when I first started running Alpha. As soon as I, in a sense, I had, we had made disciples because people cared. They were hungry. They wanted to learn and grow. And my primary concern at first was to get people uh, into a catechetical process. And because we didn't have a lot of leaders, uh, we basically let Alpha go and, and focused on catechesis, which only meant that when September came around again, I had to almost like start the whole thing over again. We never got... Alpha running. We never raised up enough people, enough leaders to to keep it running all the time so that, the, in a sense, the pump never stopped. And that's definitely now, after doing this for many years, and how we did it differently at St. Benedict Parish with Ron, because we, we actually ran Alpha as a rolling program 
Um, that's definitely what we recommend. It's what we recommended in the book, Divine uh, uh, Unlocking Your Unlocking Your Parish, is that you you commit to getting Alpha going so that the pump doesn't stop. And then once you've got that going, then build something uh, that you can address the catechetical need. So what are some of the opportunities then? If, so if, if the pump doesn't stop, if, if uh, in the divine renovation model, uh, what we, we profess is this notion that your alphas should be rolling so that you can continue to raise up leaders, what then do we, we, we hope that for parishes who are looking to step into catechesis, what, what are some of the things that we hope they might choose to do? Even even within Alpha, there's a certain amount of catechesis yep. from the video that I guess it's different now, but it used to be or primarily when when Nikki was doing it. Um, you know, so so there is an element of where you want people to engage with teaching um, and 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 learning and growing in knowledge. That's clearly a part of what what being a, a disciple is. I think the challenge a lot of times in the past is we made it only about the teaching and the information, right? And I think we have to think in terms of okay. Alpha does Alpha is a great way to initially form people, but then the question is, how are we going to continue to form them, right? And obviously, Alpha forms them around teaching, but also around relationships, around small groups, around the whole idea of uh, of of being in a, an environment that's safe to ask questions, and forms them in getting them involved in ministry. And so, I think the you know, without necessarily, obviously we've got our methods and we've promoted them, but I think those are the basic questions that you want to ask is how are we going to continue to form people around a lot of the same elements, but yet taking them in beyond where Alpha starts. And I think it's basically the danger is that we, we make discipleship simply about the transmission of information rather than the, the, the formation in, in growing in your prayer life, uh, growing in community, identifying your gifts, getting involved in ministry, like in a sense, uh, the ongoing formation of the whole person. And I think that the, you go back to the early church, the original idea of catechesis was probably a bit more uh, comprehensive. It wasn't as abstracted out as to, you know, take this program or read this book. But I think there is a specific question, especially in a Catholic context, when we do make the distinction of Alpha, is an evangelistic tool versus a catechetical tool, that there is, of course, there, it'd be foolish to say that there is not a catechetical component of, of Alpha. And I really believe that the catechetical theological problems that people would say are, are represented by Alpha is not so much by what is said as what is not said. And so there is a need to, to provide that, those extra things. And I would say in a parish that's at the very beginning and, and has nothing going, Yes, I would say you, your first energies are to get uh, a healthy, robust system of alpha going that you can at least run it twice a year. Don't try to build everything at first because you can't do everything at first. It takes time. That being said, um, even in the early years, we did, although we didn't develop a system of small groups for adults, we did like a, a one-time big event in the parish hall where we had a, a catechetical tool that you know 80 people or 100 people came to. It's not... It's not the model we promote because it's not it's not scalable. Mm. You know, most parishes only have like one space that's a big space like that. It's not, and it, and it takes a lot of time to or organize it. Mm. But in many ways, you've got to, in a sense, provide something as a temporary thing. It might not be your 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 whole thing, but you've got to keep it on your on on your radar because people are hungry. Another possible way is to subscribe to a service like Formed. I know that uh, St. Benedict Parish has done that. Many of our other parishes have done that, where basically you're giving parishioners access. You give them the, the access key, and they have access to a lot of online content. Again, for people who are 
who are awakened, who have a hunger, they can go on individually and do this, or they can, they can maybe with some low amount of organization that doesn't stop you from continuing to build Alpha as a robust tool for evangelization. Because remember, that's, evangelizing is what's going to retain your, your, your pressure and the whole system is going to continue to push things forward. So we've talked a lot about uh, adults and, and how we how we look at adult evangelization and adult catechesis. But uh, one of the things when I hear the word catechesis, um, I often uh, I interpret it as being focused on on youth, on kids, uh, because mm. I think often when at least in the Catholic context when we talk about catechesis, what we're really talking about is how are we forming our young people. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because I've you know we started off before we we ran the cameras talking about how for some for many people the, the distinction is, is blurred and I guess it's an occasion for me to reflect on how much I've drunk I've drunk the Kool-Aid uh, because I, for me the idea that I have to always almost remind myself that yeah it is it is confusing for some people or for me I've realized like because of the environment I've been in for these number of years when I hear catechesis I primarily think of catechizing adults I don't I don't think of kids, but but I remember I got to remember that you know ten years ago that was the reality. Is that for, and for many Catholics, catechesis is primarily what you do with children. Uh, but I think that's one of the things we need to challenge. But I've I've kind of forgotten that that for many people that's what it means. Curse of knowledge coming <laughs> coming to the surface. So for there'd be lots of people listening who would be who would have catechesis happening at their parish, uh, and it would be focused at, at kids. Should they stop? Well, that depends. What would you say, Rob? I'd say it's, uh, yeah, I would, I would agree. It depends. How's it going and what's the outcome of it? Exactly. Right? And, and again, what's catechism? And correct me if I'm wrong. I say catechism is essentially how are you forming disciples. And so I'd exactly. say if, you, if you're looking at your kid's program, uh, are you actually forming disciples or are you just kind of getting them to jump through the hoops and then they jump through the open door? And have you actually made them <laughs> disciples first yeah. in order to form them? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, it, it's... The question in itself would take a little bit of unpacking with each parish, but but what what does you know the the Ron Huntley question? What does success look like exactly? And and begin working back from there and evaluate what you're doing. Well, we we had uh, forty kids had their first communion. Now only two came back to yeah. make their second, but we we had forty kids, or we had thirty kids well, were confirmed. Of course, none of them came back. So it, it's yeah. this is part of the of the thing is we've got to admit that even though we're going through the, the form of things, the actual fruitfulness in terms of disciple-making is abysmal for the most part. And we've got to say, are we really okay with this? And if we're not, then we've got to, sh- we've got to change it. Now, here's the challenge. What's one of the primary things that, in, that stops us from initiating a new model of evangelization, discipleship, and catechesis, even among, among younger Catholics? We're so busy. We've got no time. And why are we so busy? Because we're putting all of our time and energy into doing something that doesn't make produce any fruit, it's really insane. Like we're we're shackled to ourselves. We've we we've 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 rendered ourselves impotent. There is a, a possibility of change, but we can't make the change because we're bound to this thing that no longer works and hasn't been working for a long time. So in some instances, if you don't have a, if a parish doesn't have the bandwidth or resources to begin to create something new, maybe it means you've got to stop doing the thing that doesn't work, like actually shut it down, shut it down and build something new. Even if it means for one, one semester, there's, you know, you don't have catechism or something. Yeah. To that point, you know, what is your, what, what is your expectation for kids or adults? Right. Well, we expect them to come and we hope 
that they make a choice and we hope they stick around, you know? And so I'd say, uh, along with that, yeah. What's, what are the expectations? What do you think God's expectations are for Mm -hmm. what you're doing, you know, around that? Do you think it's just one of those things where that we just sit back and say, yeah, I guess this is just the way it is. And we, we hope people come, but that's, you know, as we like to say around here, hope's not a strategy. That's right. I I think too, (laughs) we, we've got to come back to that, that key point that we find in the great commission, you know, the, the, People may be tired of hearing this, but the, the four tasks to go, to make, to baptize, and teach. And, and the, the finite verb in that sentence is make disciples, mathetusite in Greek, to make disciples. And going, teaching, and baptizing are dependent on that central act of making disciples. You know, in, in our tradition, that task, mathetusite, to make disciples, was translated by St. Jerome in the, the fourth century, I believe, into Latin by by uh, docite, the, the Latin term, to teach, teach all nations. So he actually, in, in St. Jerome's translation of the Bible, which uh, in translating into Latin at that period, he put it into the language of the people. But he translated the Great Commission, go, teach all nations, baptize them, and teach them again. Go, teach, baptize, teach. And that's exactly what we do in the church. We, we, we teach and we baptize, and we teach some more. We do catechesis, sacraments, and more catechesis, and we never actually make disciples. And this translation of the, of the great, mistranslation, in a sense, of the, of the Great Commission, I hope St. Jerome will forgive me for this, but it made it into the English translations of the, of, of the Bible, the, the Dewey Reims, which is actually the earliest English translation of the Bible. Uh, it's earlier than uh, the King James Bible, although it was translated from the Latin, but even the King James Bible says, teach all nations. <laughs> it's amazing how that, that translation in the Latin for all those, for 1,200 years, 1,300 years, even impacted the translations of the, of the, of the, of the King James Bible. And it's not really until the, the 1960s, the 50s, 60s, that you saw even the language of make disciples of all nations reemerge in our tradition. So out of, coming out of a Christendom age, we've got to tackle this this deep down understanding that the mission proper to the church is not necessarily evangelization, making disciples, it's teaching and baptizing. Um, and these, this understanding of the Great Commission even has made it into our liturgical texts. So it have, it's, it's, in our, it's in our liturgical rites, the mention of teach all nations. So this is deeply, deeply ingrained, this sense that, that the key to everything is just to teach some more. Teach, so, teach, teach. I want to stand on something very practical for, for listeners and leaders who, who have who've joined us because we, we, we talked about uh, the, the adult approach to catechesis and evangelization, and I thought you said a couple of really interesting things, both of you, around, uh, around kids and youth. And so one of the things that, that really comes to mind when it comes uh, for me, when I think of, of pastors, parish priests, and other leaders who are listening, for a lot of them, they'll have catechesis happening in their parishes. They'll have catechetical programs of some sort for kids. Um, and I think, you know, forgive me if, I, if I'm wrong in, for, for your parish if you're listening, but I think for a lot of cases, there, there's, there's one, one lovely old church lady in the corner dealing with it, and, and the pastor or parish priest might be a few steps removed. Uh, and, you know, Rob, you challenge, well, you know, what's the fruit look like? What's success look like? I don't, I, I wonder... I do wonder how many how many parish priests are actually thinking like well you know have I have I given a lot of thought to that have I thought about what success looks like I think I think a lot of pastors are very very dissatisfied they see it I mean look at these the, you know what's the mark after after confirmation who's who's still around who's who's how many kids 
who are confirmed return to the youth group. So, okay, you're getting a lot... There, 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 there's a yeah. measurement. If the answer's zero or 5%, then that is... Like, what organization would ever accept such absolutely dismal results, let alone the organization with the greatest mandate on earth? So what the heck, It's unacceptable. So, Father James, what should the parish priests do? I mean, they're listening. They're getting riled up like you are. What, what, tell them what they're Shut it do. down. Shut it down. There's a big red stop button. Push the stop button. Because if, if keeping a system going, because someone once said, I don't know who, who came up with the quote, but every system is perfectly designed to get the results it's presently getting. So what you're, the non-results you're getting in your parish, your parish is perfectly designed to get those results. And if maintaining that system that gets no results is using all your time and energy so that you don't have time to build anything different, then shut it down for a period of time. Shut it down. Stop it and reassess and shift your parish to say, we're going to make, give priority to making disciples. And when we, when we have people who have made that transition from not caring to caring, We'll, work, we'll start working with them. Yeah. Like, so make, if you've been with us transition. on this podcast so far, here's my promise to you. If you join us again <laughs> next week, I will do my best to get Father James all riled up because it's a whole lot of fun. So thanks so much for being with us on this conversation about evangelization and catechism. We're just getting going. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be with you again next week. God bless. DR20 brings together parishes and pastors from across the world. This year, every attendee will receive a free year's membership to the Divine Renovation Network, our library of video resources for coaching, leadership, and parish renewal. For more details, go to divinerenovation.org slash dr20.